Thank you for taking the time to view this message online. You can connect with us more through our comment section of this video, through our Facebook page, or through our website, nhgj.org. In this message series, Overcomer, we're really looking at this idea of overcoming from two different angles. One is we're looking at Jesus as the overcomer. He is the one who leads the way in this. He's the first to bring victory over brokenness, over sin, over death, both spiritually and physically. And so in this way, we look to him as the overcomer. Secondly, we look at how his overcoming victory, how it opens the door for us to live as overcomers. He leads us in this overcoming life. And while he's the first to step into overcoming life, he doesn't just leave us to merely admire his life, but he invites us to join with him in it. Now, for those who admire heroes, this is usually how it works. Uh, the hero fights evil, secures safety for all, and, and then uh, holds the admiration and waits for the next moment to step in and to play the role of the hero. And this is really kind of what it looks like when we see comic book heroism, uh, those who overcome an enemy. But that's not the way that Jesus does it. That's not the way that real life happens in Christ. He is much more of an overcomer who is just not just admired, but he is the one who overcomes and invites us to join with him in it, in overcoming brokenness, in overcoming sin and overcoming death. That brings us to this Good Friday message and what happened at the cross, this overcoming victory that Jesus won for us over sin. When we say that Jesus overcame the power of sin through his death on the cross, there's a real powerful moment that happened. Here are some of the questions that might come up from people when we talk about this idea of overcoming sin. Uh, first, what is sin? And what kind of power does sin have that Jesus had to overcome it? Why did Jesus die on the cross? And how did that affect sin? And then thirdly, how does Jesus' death affect me? And what, if any, response do, or action do I have in relationship to what Jesus did? In this message, we'll look at how Jesus' death on a Roman cross was actually an overcoming victory, a true victory that took power away from sin and set people free. And so let's take a moment to pray and invite the Holy Spirit to lead our time together. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, to lead this time in the scriptures. Uh, we pray that you would cause it to come alive in us to really illuminate our understanding about what sin is, what it did, and what you were able to do in overcoming sin at the cross and how that, your action at the cross, how that opened the door for each one of us to experience overcoming victory as well. We thank you for your word. We bless it to our hearing and to our lives. Amen. Well, the first thing we look at is this idea of sin and what is sin. Uh, what kind of power does sin really have? Now, oftentimes sin is just associated with wrong behaviors, doing the wrong thing. 
uh, you know, it really goes far beyond that. It's not like taking a test and failing it or baking a cake and forgetting an ingredient so that it doesn't come out properly. Uh, those types of things show how maybe we are underprepared or uh, maybe we're underqualified to accomplish something, but those aren't really sins. Uh, sin isn't centered on this idea of just wrong behavior. Sin is about having a wrong nature. Uh, having a, a life that causes us to choose ourselves and not God. It is a life that is not facing towards God in relationship, but instead a life that positions us away from God. And in this way, uh, sin is not just something that humans do, but it's actually something that we live in from the start of our life. Sin isn't just wrong behavior, it's wrong life, it's wrong nature. And so it goes much deeper than just what I might say or what I might do. Yeah, it's expressed in those things. Sin is expressed in wrong words, wrong actions, but it goes much deeper to my behavior, to your life itself. This idea is introduced uh, to us visually right from the very beginning of Scripture in Genesis chapter 2 and 3. Uh, in this way, there's, there's the man and there's the woman. And as they start out in the garden, they're facing God. They are in relationship to God. And that's the orientation that we see to start out uh, how we are designed, how we are created to live, is with this life facing towards God. And, and then in the midst of this, uh, there is an action that's taken. Uh, there is a step that is taken by the man and by the woman to live life on their own terms. We call it the, the fruit from the tree of good and evil. And, and this points us to this idea that man and woman, Adam and Eve, uh, in the biblical record of creation, they choose to define good and evil on their terms. They want this knowledge so that they no longer, no longer have to be in relationship to God to define good and evil. They want to be able to define good and evil. They want this knowledge of what good and evil are so they can define it on their terms. And, and so in this way, they are no longer God-facing, but they're self-facing. They, they want to live life on their terms. And so it's out of this, in the light of the approach that they take, that God removes them from the garden, from the presence of God. They are now on the earth, out of God's presence. And they're sent into the world as we now know it, as every human who has been born since creation, after Adam and Eve, who have been born into creation, we now know life, not God facing, but we now know life as we come into it, facing away from God and oriented uh, to life on our own terms and trying to figure out how to live it apart from God. And, and so this is the condition that we are born into. And this is why Christianity, it teaches this view of humanity uh, that comes into the world not facing God, but trying to meet uh, life on our, our own terms, needing to return to God. Uh, Psalm 51.5 expresses this. It says, surely, the, the writer of the psalm says, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. And, and so this points to that question, what is sin? Isn't it just doing wrong things? 
And from the Christian viewpoint, we'd say, no, it's not just doing the wrong things. Sin expresses itself in wrong words and actions, but sin is actually uh, wrong nature or wrong being that is present in every human. Since we are removed from that relationship of being face to face with God, now it's our sin nature. It's the, the life that we live is naturally humanly bent away from God and just towards living life on our terms. So what's the power that sin has? Well, ultimately sin has the power to separate us from God. This is what we say and that sin nature does. It separates us from God, a tremendous power. It's not just the doing wrong things or feeling guilt. It is the separation from God, this type of power that sin has. It's the power at work that opposes God and keeps people from being able to live face to face with him because it's a nature that chooses its own way. I liken it to when I was younger, I used to love holding magnets against one another. I, it was just this great mystery of why some magnets would be drawn together and connect with one another. And then others, you could flip it around and then it would uh, oppose the other, it would press against the other. And, and so this was great, you know, mystery to me. Of course, science understands it in terms of the polar opposites. Uh, when you put two Norths together, they oppose. When you put a North and a South together, they, they attract. And this picture of magnets that oppose each other, you can try and push them together, but depending on how strong that magnet is, if they are of the same polar end, they're going to oppose one another and push against. And there's no, there's really, if it's really strong, there's no way you're going to get them together. They're going to push against each other and keep that resistance. Well, this is really to me a, a picture of what it's like in the human condition. What sin does, sin opposes against God. And no long, no matter how much we try to pull ourselves, how good deeds, how good of deeds we do, or what type of thinking or philosophy we try to live by, if we are living in our sin nature and we are living out that sin nature, we are living opposed to God and we won't be able to be face to face with God. We'll be in opposition to him. Now, this is where Jesus comes in and his overcoming victory over sin breaks through for us. Uh, first, Thing that we need to understand about Jesus is that he was born outside of this uh, sin uh, nature. Uh, Jesus was God in the flesh, right? So that's what we talk about at Christmas time, the incarnation, that Jesus came to earth and Mary conceived a child that was born of the Holy Spirit, right? It wasn't born of human flesh. He was flesh because he was born from Mary but he was conceived of the Holy Spirit. So he is God in the flesh. And so in this way, he was not a polar opposite to God. He was God who came to earth. He was born with the nature of God and not the sin nature. And so Jesus did not enter into life in the same way that the rest of humanity did. He came in not with the sin nature, but he came into life with God's nature. For the first time ever, there was now somebody who was on earth who was able to live without sin. There was somebody who could be fully human and fully God, both at the same time. 
And so sin did not have power over him. He did not have to live according to the sin nature because it was not native to him. Well, in, in this way, this is what allowed him to live his entire life without sin. And that's how we recognize Jesus was the sinless one. He is the one that came upon the earth and never committed sin. Again, not just the act of sin, but he didn't live in sin nature. He lived in the nature of God himself. In this way, Jesus was the true overcomer. Jesus was the one who was ready to overcome sin because he didn't live in it. It wasn't entrenched in his life. Sin had no hold on him because he refused and he didn't have to submit to the norms and submit to sin in his life. He actually could live without sin. And so he lived face to face with the Father his entire life, not on his terms, but on the Father's terms. And this drew him into this face-to-face -face relationship that had been missing since the garden. Jesus was perfectly aligned with the Father's will and living out what the Father wanted him to do. So here we are, and we, in that way, we can put Jesus on a pedestal. We can worship him, we can praise him because he is unlike any human before, completely sinless, without sin nature, we worship him because he overcame sin by not giving into it or not living with sin in his life. Sin had no hold on him. That would be enough. That would be reason enough for us to worship Jesus. But he went beyond that. He took it the next step and he called us to become overcomers along with him. Instead of just filling himself up with his uh, God nature and being able to live completely isolated from the rest of humanity. Instead, he embraced sin on the cross. And that's where the cross comes into it, is that Jesus could have just lived out his life completely sinless and been admired by us worthy of worship. But to call us to be overcomers, he had to do away with sin. He had to actually capture a victory, command a victory for the rest of humanity. Otherwise, it would just be his victory over sin. But to get it to become the rest of humanity's victory over sin, he had to take it the next step. He had to remove sin from humanity's presence. He had to be able to take sin away from us. And so using this same idea of a magnet, this illustration that I used before, Jesus, who lived completely without sin, completely attracted and connected to the Father, Scripture says that he took sin upon himself. In other words, he became like a magnet for sin and took all of sin, not just in that moment in which he was crucified, but he took all of sin throughout all of time and he pulled it in upon himself so that he himself became sin. 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21 describes it this way. It says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Similarly, 1 Peter 2.24 says this way, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. 
By his wounds, you have been healed. So in the Christian faith, we call this the great exchange. It's our sin for his righteousness. He took what we had upon himself so that we could have what he had, righteousness. He took sin so we could receive holiness. He took sin and death upon himself so that we could have life and resurrection upon ourselves and holiness upon ourselves. So something that we couldn't obtain on our own, Jesus had to obtain it for us, and that is righteousness. So he took sin from us. So what happened to it? If Jesus took sin, the sin, not just the sin actions and words, but sin nature, if he took that upon himself, what happened to it? Where, where did it go? What did he do with it? Well, the most simple way, there's a few things that scripture describes as what happened on the cross, but the most simple way I could say it in this message is that Jesus embodied it. He took the sin nature and he turned it into flesh so that it could be crucified and buried with him. He took sin upon himself. He became, Jesus himself became the embodiment of sin and of the sin nature. Again, we go back to that passage in 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21. Verse 21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus literally took sin nature and he became the embodiment of sin itself. So Jesus overcame by receiving the sin nature into his flesh that was crucified and buried. And in this way, sin lost its power. This is why he died. This, Jesus didn't just die on a cross for saying that he was the Messiah. Jesus died on the cross, scripture teaches, because he was our way of redemption. He was the pathway that God gave us for redemption. He took sin upon himself so that sin would no longer be the nature in which we had to live. And so this brings us to the last question. What does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? And is there anything that we need to do in response to Jesus taking sin upon himself and embodying it, crucifying it, and burying it? Well, for one, it means that you and I no longer are forced to live away from God or in opposition to God. It means that now we can truly live face to face with God again. We can truly live as we are intended in the garden to be in total fellowship and total communion and union with God. Because Jesus did this, he, he disarmed or emptied the power of sin in our life and he crucified it and buried it. So that where once we were opposed to God, where once our nature put us in opposition and as enemies of God. What this teaches is that now that sin nature has been done away with. It has been crucified with Christ so that we can live a new life in fellowship with God. What does that mean? What kind of response do I have? What response do I? So this is, a, this is an open invitation for all the world, but not all of the world receives it. This is an open invitation for every individual who wants to live life without the condemnation and without the weight of a sin nature. 
we can be redeemed, Scripture says. That sin nature in you and in me can be crucified with Christ and it can be done away with so that we can live in the new nature, the nature of the Spirit, the, the nature of life in Christ. And we can live in that because of what Jesus has done, what he accomplished on the cross by taking sin upon himself and crucifying it and burying it and putting it to death. But that means you have a choice. That means I have a choice to walk in step with God now. I have a choice to no longer live according to the sin nature, but to put that sin nature on the cross with Christ, to allow it to be crucified, to let life in my terms no longer be the life that I choose and want to live, but to want to live face to face before the Father and to choose the life that he has for me. Just as Jesus didn't live in his own terms, but every day chose the way of the Father. Likewise, that's our calling. So my step is to recognize that sin has no more power over me except that which I give it. <laughs> sin is no longer that voice of the devil made me do it. It no longer applies because Jesus has put to death the power of sin and the sin nature. What I have now is freedom in Christ. And the only power that sin has is the breath that I give it and the way that I choose to still live in it. Instead, I have the opportunity to live full of the Spirit and free in Christ. That's the choice in this Good Friday that you have and that I have. No longer having to live in the sin nature unless we so choose to do so. Because Christ has opened the door for us at the cross. That's his work. To be crucified, not just put to death, but to crucify sin and to put it to death. So right now on this, this Good Friday, you have the opportunity to say, I don't want to hold on to life on my terms. I don't want to live in the sin nature, but I want to live according to the Spirit. And in that way, you just surrender that old life to Christ and put it on the cross and allow Jesus to crucify it and put it to death. And instead, you say, Lord, I wanna receive new life in you. I wanna receive the spirit life and I wanna continue every day. That's the choice, not just once in your life, but that's the choice every Christian makes every day. Lord, as I wake up today, I crucify the sin nature and the life that I used to live on my terms and now I embrace the life in Jesus that you provide for me, that I would spend this day and every day living face to face before you in the fullness of the Spirit and in the freedom of Jesus Christ. Well, I wanna pray for you and then we're going to pause and take a moment to have communion. Lord, thank you so much for your work on the cross it defeated the power that sin had over us. And so in that way, God, you were the overcomer. Jesus, you overcame sin, never yielding to it, living holy for the Father, living without sin. But thank you that you didn't just call us to admire your life, but that you took upon yourself sin and you became the embodiment of it so that we could get rid of it from our own lives 
and put it upon you so that we could then receive the life that you have for us. What a gift that you not only overcame, but you call us to be overcomers as well. We thank you for it, Jesus. We want to receive it and we want to live in the fullness of life that you have for us. Amen. The bread and the cup are to remind us of the work that Jesus did on the cross. And Good Friday is such a vivid reminder of his victory over sin. His body surrendered to the work that the Father had called him to, to be that sacrifice, to become the embodiment of the sin nature, and to receive upon himself the punishment for sin that would separate him from the Father, that would make him the one who receives the condemnation so that it could be crucified with him and buried with him and be rendered totally powerless. For the shed blood, which reminds us that he overcame uh, the power of sin by shedding his own blood and covering over our sin and our brokenness by his blood and his death so that we could be made whole and we could be the righteousness of God. Lord, we thank you for the bread, your body, broken for us, surrendered for us, given up so that we could be whole. Your death is our healing. Your death put to death sin so that we would no longer live powerless and under control of the sin nature in our life, but so that we could be set free and truly live free in the spirit. We thank you for giving up yourself to set us free and making us new. We bless you, Jesus, and we thank you. Amen. This cup of a new covenant, Lord, we thank you that your blood covers us, that as you shed your blood on the cross, that you initiated a new way for us to come, not by uh, our own acts, our own work, but by leaning into and embracing your work on the cross, that once for all, your death is sufficient to do away with sin. And it makes it sin powerless against us now, that we too join you in overcoming, that it no longer holds sway over our decisions and over our, our thinking and over our actions. It is rendered powerless. Sin is rendered powerless in our own lives because you brought victory on the cross. We thank you for the shed blood. We thank you for the victory that it brings to us. We thank you that it makes us overcomers because of your work. We give you praise for it. Amen. Now may you go forward in the power of Jesus Christ that sin no longer holds its weight upon you, that it no longer sways you to the left or to the right, but you, you can embrace this life in Jesus fully and freely, living in the Spirit because of what He's done on the cross. God bless you. You can find more resources for this service at nhgj.org. Email us your prayer requests to prayer at nh4gj.org. If you are a new follower of Jesus, we have a free resource for you called Following Jesus. To receive a copy, send a request to info at nh4gj.org. If you would like to partner with our ministry through giving, 
You can do that online at nhgj.org giving or by mail to 641 Horizon Drive, Grand Junction, Colorado, 81506. Thank you for being with us and may the Lord bless you.